I want people to do is understand, you know, some some people are the ones that can stand up for change and lead the march. Some people are not. They're the ones that either are the followers in the march or perhaps don't go to the march, but always recycle, always pick up trash. So whatever you're doing for the planet, for yourself to make an impact, it's fine. Feel good about that. Don't compare yourself to the others who are who are doing everything and then be like, oh, I should be doing that. No, feel good about what you're doing and make your own impact in the right way. And remember that if you just take your steps in the right direction, one that helps the planet, then you're doing everything that you should be doing. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Today's guest is self-proclaimed science geek, award-winning author, speaker, and teacher, Jennifer Swanson. She's here to talk about her newest picture book, Footprints Across the Planet. It's a beautiful picture book that helps children think about the impact that they are making on the world. Jennifer's passion for science resonates in the more than 45 fascinating nonfiction and fiction books she has written for children, but especially Brain Games and Super Gear Nanotechnology and Sports Team Up, which was named an NSTA Best STEM Book of 2017. Jennifer's book, Save the Crash Test Dummies, received a Parents' Choice Gold Award. Her Astronaut Aquanaut, How Space Science and Sea Science Interact, received a Florida Book Award. Her Beastly Bionics book received a Gold Florida Book Award and an NSTA Best STEM Book Award. As an accomplished and exciting speaker, Jennifer has presented at national NSTA conferences, the Highlights Foundation, the Atlanta Science Festival, the World Science Festival in New York City, and the Library of Congress National Book Festival. Before we geek out any further on Jennifer Swanson and footprints across the planet, here's the synopsis for this stunning picture book. Written by Jennifer Swanson, this critically reviewed and award-winning book beautifully explains how every footprint from the physical to the digital and the permanent to the fleeting leaves a mark on the earth telling a story of the past the present or the future what type of imprint will you leave journey around the world and experience through these vivid photographs how every being on the planet leaves an imprint with their feet, their words, their actions. Whether human or animal, voices or activity, each mark has a purpose. To remind us of our history, give us a glimpse of our future, and maybe even inspire us to change the world. Earth Day coming up, I was like, who should we have on this episode? And then I was like, you know what? We need to get Jennifer on here and talk about footprints across the planet. So I'm just, I'm really excited to dig into it. But before we do, 
I have to say that I noticed on social media that you've been having a pretty fantastic <laughs> April. And I was wondering if you wanted to share a little bit with our listeners about your experience with NASA. I won't go into it. I'm a, I want to <laughs> let you do it. <laughs> um, yes, it was as one of my uh, teammates said, the field trip of a lifetime. So NASA runs these NASA social events and anybody can apply to be a member. Um, you need to have a following and kind of a platform. And, you know, I do because I talk about STEM for kids. And so I applied. And for two days, um, I went to NASA Johnson Space Center. We were there in the room where the Artemis II astronauts were announced. And then they came directly to us. We were the first people to see them after the big announcement for our own private press conference. It was crazy. Amazing. So we, we met them all in person. So I got to, you know, shake Christina Cook's hand. The astronaut that's the female astronaut's going to be the first one around the moon. And um, then we spent the next two days, they took us everywhere. And if you follow me at all, you know that I, I'm so excited about the engineering and the science. We went to the neutral buoyancy lab. We got to meet the new robot, Valkyrie. They literally had to drag me away from her. I was like... <laughs> Yeah, Can I, I have think this robot to take her home. <laughs> I think I saw your post about about Valkyrie, and I think I left a comment because I was like, "That is so cool." <laughs> I mean, if you look, so if you want to see some of my videos and pictures, you can follow me on social media. I'm at I'm Jen Swan Books at Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, the picture of me with Valkyrie, I don't think my smile could get any bigger. <laughs> so you're, you're actually a self-professed science geek. And I want to know, have you always been into science and technology? Yes. I started a science club in my garage when I was seven. And while that sounds like a great story, right, it actually is true. I had a garage. Any of you remember the old wooden milk crates? My mom yes. got some of those, right? And those were our little benches. And we had like a group of neighborhood kids. I was the leader of the science club. And I was like, let's go investigate. We had an apple tree. So we looked at apples. We, had, we looked at flowers. And then my mom gave me a microscope, which was so incredible. And I still have to this day, it's in its own little wooden box. And then my love of science science just followed me throughout my life. Um, I was a chemistry major at the U.S. Naval Academy, and I taught uh, chemistry for a while. Um, I've taught middle school science for a while. So yeah, I'm a big science geek <laughs> from the time of birth. <laughs> I love it. Well, so you're saying from the time of birth, but do you attribute anything or anyone specifically fostering and nurturing your love of STEM and STEAM? Absolutely. In fact, I gave a talk the uh, a couple of weeks ago about this. So my three big people in my life that have kind of helped me and supported me was, was of course, my mom, because I grew up with three brothers. I was never told girls couldn't do science and STEM. And I didn't realize until later in life how unusual that was, unfortunately. Right. And then I had a seventh grade science teacher who was a woman. Now, this was a while ago in a very small town. And so women science teachers were not as prevalent as they are. And she really encouraged me and told me I could do anything. And at that time, I wanted to be a pediatrician. And she was like, well, why can't you be a pediatrician? And then when I hit, went to college, another science teacher, Dr. Lomax, he told me something that probably led me on the path where I'm at now. He told me that I was very good 
at taking very complex topics and turning them into something very accessible and easy to understand. And that that was a huge talent and that I should, you know, use that somehow. And years later, when I was a stay-at-home mom and I was like, okay, I'm ready to start my kind of second career. I think that is what brought me into writing STEM books for kids. Sidestepping from science for just a moment, would you say you've always been a reader and a writer then? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So I started actually writing my own stories when I was in kindergarten. I used to write little stories about my dog. Like, you know, we went on a walk. My dog sniffed a flower. I mean, I was five, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I kept journals my whole life. If any of you are kids listening, or if you have kids and parents listening, keep the journals. They're amazing (laughs) to look at later on. And I was a huge reader, always have been. Um, I have my earliest memories are of riding my bike to the library with my mom and then later on my own. And they had summer reading programs. You remember like how many books you read and then you could like win a blizzard at Dairy Queen. I was all <laughs> over that. I was all over that. <laughs> I love it. Well, so let's see, your professor sort of led you to becoming a writer, and, and but you've always been a reader and a writer and you've always loved science. And so now you're an award-winning author and tell me if this number is incorrect, but over 45 nonfiction books for children, <laughs> ma- mainly about science and technology. Is that number correct? Or is it more than that now? I kind of lose track of how many have been out. That is correct. As far as I know, I did sign my 50th book contract uh, a few months ago. So that sounds about right. But I think I have five more books coming out in the next couple of years. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's incredible. Well, so then <laughs> let, let's dig into what is it that drives you to write for kids? Because, okay, you you have this ability to take a more complex topic and make it digestible. You could have written for adults too. Like what is it that drives you to write for kids? And you know, it's funny that you say that or you ask that because I've been asked several times, why don't you write for adults? In my head, I am a nine-year-old or 10-year-old kid who is so curious about the world. And for me, my passion is to reach out to kids that age, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders, and hopefully ignite that spark of curiosity about science and STEM inside them. And I think if we can do that, then these are the kids that'll go on to be scientists, engineers, artists, graphic designers, all of these different careers that you can make. But I want kids to realize that it's all around science and STEM. It's all around you. It's in everything you do. And I think the wonder of that gets lost a little when they get a little older. And that's what drives me. That's what I'm passionate about. And that's probably the teacher in me too, right? (laughs) Yeah. What you just described there, is that what led you to start your very cool podcast for kids? (laughs) Solve it for kids? Yes, actually. So the podcast was my pandemic project. You know, during the pandemic, like everybody else, I was like, oh my gosh, I, how am I going to reach kids? And I'm so excited. And I had been on another podcast, um, Reading With Your Kids by my dear friend, Judd Doherty. And I loved it. Like, I, I was like, this is a great format to, like you, like this podcast, it's a great format to reach a lot of people. And it occurred to me that while I get to write about these amazing scientists and engineers, what if the kids could hear from them? 
themselves, the real scientists and engineers, because these people are so passionate about what they do. And and maybe most, you know, regular people or kids think that scientists and engineers are just, they wear lab coats and everything's boring. No, they love it. So that's kind of where I got the idea to do that. And it's really like flourished. We have 152 episodes. We've had, we work with amazing scientists at NASA and Woods Hole Oceanographic and CERN and all of these amazing scientist places, science and engineering agencies. It's been a lot of fun. I love it. Absolutely love it. There is no pattern to these podcasts. People have asked me, we don't do themes really. Uh, We find amazing scientists and we try to, you know, split them all up. Here's what I would suggest. If you go to the website, solveforkids.com, you can sort episodes by topic. I just say, pick whatever topic you want. We have, we have orangutans, we have trees, biology. We have climate change. We have space. Of course, we have engineering. We have cars, self-driving cars, everything you can think of pretty much. Uh, I say pick your favorite topic. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I guess that's why we started with the Star Wars. Uh, how, how how do you build a droid? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. My son is like everything Star Wars. So that felt like the right place for us. Well, <laughs> so, so like, I mean, you're running off to NASA, like you've got speaking <laughs> engagements. I dug around on your website. You do great school visits. You've just signed your 50th contract for a, a children's <laughs> book. Yes. I mean, how do you manage it all? And do you ever feel overwhelmed by all the moving parts of your life? (laughs) Um, So the professional answer is, no, I love it all. Um, (laughs) The the personal answer is yes, of course, like everybody else. You know, I, I will throw in there that I actually have a STEM literacy nonprofit that I run as well. So there's a lot of things, but I am one of those people that likes to have a lot of things going on. So if you can juggle it, that's great. But there are times where I will just, take off like a week. And usually when I try to do my trips, um, even if I'm doing school visits, I will stay an extra day and, you know, or my husband will come with me and we kind of take some time by ourselves too. Although I have to say a lot of the places we visit are also like science museums and (laughs) NASA. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a favorite science museum that you visited? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I'm, since I grew up in Illinois, I'm really, really, really partial to the the science museums in Chicago. So the Museum of Science and Industry is amazing. I love the Field Museum and I love the Shedd Aquarium. But I've been to Georgia Aquarium like three times in the last couple months because my son and his wife live there. And so I don't know. It's hard to pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I lived in Washington, D.C. for about three years when my first um, child was born. And we spent not every weekend, but that's that's how I remember it. Every weekend down through all the Smithsonian museums and the fact that they were free and just walking in. And I just feel so lucky that we got to immerse our little little baby and toddler in all, <laughs> all of that. And she loved the air and space, uh, the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Oh. Oh, I love that. When I was at the Naval Academy, we used to take the Metro in, I believe, and um, go to there all the time. Yeah. I spent four years going to D.C. Smithsonian Museums. Well, let's dig into your latest 
fabulous book, Footprints Across the Planet, which shows how we all impact the earth daily through our footprints. Mm-hmm. So how did you settle on the idea that this was a book you needed and wanted to write? That's a great question. I will say this is the book I didn't know I could write. And I say it that way because if you look at all my other books, they're like 10,000, 15,000, 30,000 words. This book is 150 words. And yet, to me, it has the most powerful message almost of any of the other ones. Not, Not the other ones aren't great, but I wrote this book when... I guess it was kind of a little before the pandemic and I guess the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there was so much upheaval in the world at the time. We had all of the marches going on. Of course, climate change is a really big issue. And and I wanted to find something positive that I could talk to kids about, you know, take all of this upheaval and chaos that's in the world and trying to figure out how to tell everybody it's okay. And it took me a while, but I started thinking, what is the simplest way that we all make an impact on the planet? And I was like, we take a step, we take a footprint, you know, and you can see it if you're in mud or sand or whatever, you know, wet grass. And all of a sudden, the whole thing just kind of burgeoned from there. And I started with animal footprints, but then I moved to people. And then, of course, you end with the digital and the carbon footprint. And the whole thing kind of just fell together for me, literally, while I was riding my bike one day. <laughs> so listeners up front of the this episode heard the synopsis for this book. Would you like to just sort of Dig in a little bit and let listeners know like what they could expect to see and like, you know, talk about the beautiful photography in the book. Oh, absolutely. So so this book was published by Raycraft Books, which is a division of Benchmark Publishing. And I sent the words, which people are calling lyrical and poetic, which I chuckle at because I'm not like I'm not a poet at all. And I made suggestions for photographs that I wanted to put in. Of course, it's only 150 words. You have to do that. But when the the vivid, like, I mean, I can't, it's hard to describe how, what, how I felt when I saw the first photographs. They are gorgeous, full spread photographs depicting animals and footprints and steps on the moon, on Mars, all of these different things. Um, when I first looked at the file, when my editor, um, Wiley Blevins, sent me the file, tears came to my eyes. I was like, this is my book. I mean, I wrote the words, but without the gorgeous photographs, I don't think this book would be as amazing. And I didn't pick them. The, the team at Raycraft did, and they did a fabulous job. And it will just take you on a path through different animals. But I invite you to look at each spread and kind of think about it in broader terms, because there's layers to each of these pages. You know, so if you're showing it to a five-year-old, they're going to get the surface. But if you show it to like a third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, they're going to understand. For example, there's one spread where it says footprints are difficult to spot. And those three animals on the page are all endangered. And there's layers. There's an image of people who stood up for change. And then we're talking about RBG and Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. There's a picture of the the tracks on Mars for the Mars rover, because after all, those are footprints that we're making on other planets. So it kind of takes you all over 
our solar system, so to speak, and just gets you to think in a broader term about footprints. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much to unpack in everything that you just said there. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we can go deeper on obviously the the science, the nature, the activism. For some reason, my brain is taking me to what you said about people calling your writing uh, lyrical and, <laughs> and poetic. That's where my brain is going right now. So that's, where, that's the direction we're going to go here. So, you know, like you're not a poet. No. You wrote prose that people are calling lyrical and poetic. So so what does that mean? And to me, when somebody says lyrical and poetic in the sense of prose, it's because you touched their heart. You yeah. touched on a piece of human nature. You made the readers think on a deeper level. And to me, like that is poetic. So I don't know if you want to add anything there, but <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking. No, to, I mean, that's wonderful to hear and makes me feel so, you know, amazing that that's what I've never heard that interpretation. So that, that just, that made my heart very happy right now to hear that. But, um, you know, like I said, I, this is the, all I keep saying, this is the book I didn't know I could write. Literally, I was on a bike ride and the words started forming in my head. And so I stopped. Any author knows if the words are coming, you write it down. Because you are you are not going to remember it. So I stopped and I would text myself and then I'd write a little more and then another line would come and I would text myself. So by the time I came back, I had almost the complete story done. And then, of course, you know, you have to edit it and whatever. But it literally came to me while I was on a bike ride. So, yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> yeah. I wonder now if there's any authors listening saying, okay, well, can we have a pilgrimage? Let's find out what that bike ride is and let's see if the words come to us on that bike ride. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. It was from here to the Mayo Clinic and back where I live. So I don't know. <laughs> it, when it comes, it comes. You got to just it go does. with it. <laughs> it does. Yes. Well, this might be asking too much because I don't know if you have a copy on hand, but if you did, would you be willing to read a couple of spreads? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do have a copy next yes. to me. So I'll read the couple that I usually do. Okay. So this is how it starts. Footprints come in all shapes and sizes, colors and species. Some are large and deep strong and purposeful. Others are small and shallow, barely leaving any imprint at all. Footprints are also as diverse as the people on the planet. Footprints represent people who stood up for change and those who strive to follow them. Yes. See, lyrical and poetic. I love it. That's <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. It's, I mean, I'm so proud of this book, partially because it's my first nonfiction picture book, but just because it's one of those where sometimes you write the book and you're like, okay, that book is good. But this one, I feel like sends the message that I really wanted to get out there. And again, when coupled with these gorgeous photographs, it's doing what I wanted, which is touching people, which means so much to me. Yeah. So what kind of feedback have you received from readers and reviewers? Like, do you have a favorite 
review. And I know they say authors don't read your <laughs> reviews, but we all do. Everybody reads their reviews, right? And yes. I feel like it's great. Even when you get a negative review, that is the best constructive feedback. You know, obviously some of it you just have to take and leave. But but has there been a review that just like really made your heart sing? So the one I got from School Library Journal, I feel like that reviewer got this book. I don't remember it verbatim, but I just remember something along the line. And I'm assuming she, I could have been in a he. Well, no, actually, I think it was a she. Yes. Sorry. Kirkus is the one that doesn't have names. She said that this book covers some really complex, important, and controversial topics, but in such a positive way to make people feel better about themselves and what they're doing. Something along that lines. And I was like, yes! You got it. That's what this book is about. It was a beautiful review. That's awesome. What impact do you hope Footprints Across the Planet has on readers? I hope it makes them think. I hope it makes them feel positive. What I want people to do is understand, you know, some some people are the ones that can stand up for change and lead the march. Some people are not. They're the ones that either are the followers in the march or perhaps don't go to the march, but always recycle, always pick up trash. So whatever you're doing for the planet, for yourself to make an impact, it's fine. Feel good about that. Don't compare yourself to the others who are who are doing everything and then be like, oh, I should be doing that. No, feel good about what you're doing and make your own impact in the right way. And remember that if you just take your steps in the right direction, one that helps the planet, then you're doing everything that you should be doing. Beautifully said. I love that. Well, Jennifer, I don't know if there's anything else that you want us to know about the book or to know about you or any upcoming books, like what's next. But if you want to take a, a minute to, you know, share whatever wants to spill out of your heart, we would love it. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I'm thrilled to say that Footprints Across the Planet won a Florida Book Award, a gold award for Yay! Young Children's Literature. Yay! Thank you. And I get to go to the uh, ceremony where they give you a medal right That's amazing I'm, I'm like stem authors don't get medals that much so i'm very excited as far as upcoming books uh i have two coming out this year one is a lego book Ooh. with dk books and it's all it's all about earth and it's all about different ecosystems and environments that you can build and so it's i think it's called lego amazing earth that comes out this year and the other book i have that comes out this year was actually a book um that i did for mayo clinic press who has stepped into the kids realm and it's called space care the kids guide to surviving space and it's all about medicine and technology that's being done on the International Space Station right now. And the cool thing is I got to interview astronaut Megan MacArthur, who writes the forward for the book, um, which was so amazing. So those two books come out this year. Uh, I, I'm already like, I've got to get both of those. I have, <laughs> I have someone in my house that will love both of those. So well, thank this, you. Yeah, this is amazing. So Jennifer, I am just so grateful for you to be here today. And thanks so much for writing Footprints Across the Planet. It really is an important book. I, I hope so many people will pick it up and listen uh, or read it after listening to you talk about it today. And thanks just in general for spreading the message that by taking a step in the right direction, good things can 
and will follow. I yes. appreciate you, and so does our planet. Oh, well, thank you so much, Bianca. That means a lot. And, you know, thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. Um, it's wonderful to chat with you. And I love all the work you do getting information out about amazing books that kids can read and enjoy. Ah, that's really kind of you to say. And just for listeners, please know that I'll be dropping links in uh, the show notes to Jennifer's podcast, Solve It for Kids, and links to the books, obviously. And we can put in a link for your uh, literacy nonprofit, too. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find links to order a copy of Jennifer Swanson's Footprints Across the Planet. If you like this show, remember you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To discover more fantastic books, just like Footprints Across the Planet, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.